This is Shauna Lee and welcome to this week's The Soul Frequency Sessions. Real talk about real life and how to raise your energy frequency. So you guys know that I pretty much come on here and talk about all kinds of things having to do with raising our frequency, shifting the planet, helping the planet evolve in various ways and things like health, things that we can put in our body, ways of thinking, um, ways of perceiving the world, ways of connecting. And something has just been coming in really big and strong. And I have sat with it and thought about how to share it, why to share it, you know, everything that I get intuitively, I always filter through also my linear mind because I, you know, realize that we can get lots of different information from lots of different places. And usually like before I speak it out of my mouth, I sit with it for a while. And there are positives to that and negatives to that because one, you know, when we receive information, we're filtering it through our human self. And two, when we receive information, we have to have a lot of discernment about where it might be coming from. So I think about this a lot and I really, before I speak something, uh, let it sit for a second because ultimately whatever's coming through, it also has to come through me, Shauna. And so I have to make sense of it or, you know, feel into it. I have to use my discernment about the information that comes through. And so I've been doing that um, about the topic that I'm going to talk about today, but I keep getting guided to just more and more and more information. And we live in a really like constrictive time with how we share information. And the irony of that is we also live in a time where more and more people can share all kinds of information. So we have through social media and through podcasts and through all kinds of different avenues, the ability as individuals to share information. And that's an awesome thing. It's kind of decentralizing how we get our information, but it also requires that we use our own individual discernment. And so everything that I share, I just ask that you always filter that through your own discernment. Like, is this good and right for me? Is this information feel resonant with me? If it doesn't, then no problem, right? Like we want to leave aside the stuff that doesn't feel resonant. And just because something doesn't feel resonant doesn't mean that that might not be a truth. It just means that it might not be a truth that we want to digest at that time. So we want to get out of this polarization of like, it's either really good or really bad. Um, I try to stay out of those lanes where I'm judging information and instead just feeling into it because judgment happens with our mind but feeling into that happens with our heart space and feeling the vibration of that information. Like more and more as time goes by, even though I'm obviously filtering things through my mind, I'm also just saying, what is the vibration of this information? So when someone gives you a piece of information, whether you judge that as bad or good with your mind, feel into that, right? Because sometimes information to our mind and our personality, we can say, oh, that's bad, right? Like I didn't want to hear that piece of information. But if we feel into it, we might say, mm, but that's a really big truth, right? An inconvenient truth and a truth I didn't want to hear, but 
that feels like it has some resonance to it, right? Maybe it's a new vibration being, you know, gifted to you by someone in your life or someone crossing your path. And even though we might judge it as bad because it wasn't what we expected to hear, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have some sort of vibration of validity. And so we as individuals have to discern what that is for us. No one else can do that. And I think sometimes um, in life, we like to you know, give over our power by having other people, you know, make choices for us or other people discern for us. And really at this time, we are being asked to develop that skill of true discernment. And I think that one of the ways that this is kind of happening as this planet evolves, you know, I always say chaos chaos is a predecessor of change. And there's been a lot of chaos over the past few years which also means there's a lot of change happening. And, you know, some of us are like, oh my gosh, can we just get through the change faster and faster and faster? Like I'm always, I'm what's called a quick start on the Colby A test, if you've ever heard of that. So I want to move through things quickly. Like I am the personality that's like, let me see whatever I have to see. I will feel however I have to feel about it, but I will move through that quickly. But that's just my perception. That's just my personality. And we all are moving through this in divine timing and at an individual level and at a collective level. And no big change happens overnight, right? Changes occur, you know, I'm talking global community, collective changes, like they happen as more and more people wake up to wanting change, as more and more people get courageous in standing um, for change, which we do see a lot more people getting courageous with that. And we get courageous with how we speak change into existence. And so a lot of the information I'm going to share today that has to do with like spirituality and politics, and you might not hear those two words in the same sentence all the time, but Our political arena is where a lot of really interesting things are playing out. And and for those that are here in the U.S., like this is really a fascinating time because there has been a lot of awakenings and a lot of, you know, stuff that's gone on over the past few years. I'm sure all over the world, but I'm just going to be talking about politically here in the United States. And, um, and, you know, there's a lot of people that are thinking and seeing things differently than they did, let's say five years ago, from all the things that we've been through with the pandemic and, you know, all the changes that people have faced in their life. It's been like a collective kind of mass awakening situation. And so we're coming up, you know, in 2024 on another election cycle for the president of the United States. And, you know, there's lots of information that'll fly around during this time. And I wanted to talk about how we feel into this information versus just filtering this through our minds, right? And saying, this is good and this is bad. Um, This is an exercise that you can utilize in every area of your life, like whether it's with politics or whether it's with, you know, global events that are happening or whether it's in your own personal life with personal relationships, love relationships, work relationships, all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to be relating a lot of what I'm talking to, um, to all these different areas of life, because it really, it's like looking through different facets of, of the same lens, right? And sometimes we notice it in one area of our life really easily, but we don't notice it in the other. 
So I want to go back to talking about the traditional energy of politics, right? This like vibe that I know if you've been on this planet long enough, you will kind of see where this plays out, right? So the typical like kind of, I would say overarching energy or strategy to politics is to polarize, right? So we have two main parties here in the United States, the Republicans and the Democrats. We also have an independent party, which isn't um, as big or as prevalent as the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. And so this right there is polarization, right? One's on one side, one's on the other, on lots of different topics. But the general vibe is to talk about, right, or to poke holes in the other party. So there's a lot of like slinging right back and forth. Um, they do, they don't do this or they're bad because of that, right? These generalizations and these, you know, slingings that happen like from party to party, but also person to person, right? So there's a lot of talking about what the other party or person isn't doing, um, how, you know, the party that's doing the talking is better than them, right? They're going to fix all the problems, solve all the problems and other people just create problems and they're bad. So it's a lot of blaming and then a lot of comparison comparison, right, from one party to another or one candidate to another. Each side seeming, as we get closer to an election, an actual election, seeming to speak louder and louder to discredit their opponent or discredit, you know, the group of people like the political party. And the more money there is behind, obviously, a a candidate or a party, the more messaging and advertising to persuade seems to be seems to go out into the world, right? So it's a lot of very crafted messaging to get you, the consumer of this messaging, to think a certain way, right? And and the way is to really think like what is bad, wrong, and less than, right? Ultimately, of the people that the messenger wants you to not like, right? Wants you to ultimately not vote for. And so if we want to, you know, take you, for instance, and we want to make you not vote for something, what are we going to do to do that? Like, what is the most effective strategy to have you, the person listening to this, not vote a certain way? The most effective strategy is to invoke fear, right? Because fear is a very powerful motivator in low vibe decision-making. Like some of the energy that our planet has been under is this is just very low vibe energy of like, let's put people in a lot of fear. I mean, we've seen a lot of this over the past few years so that they make the choices, right? That we want them to make from a place of desperation and ultimate terror, really like terrorizing fear. And when people are put in terrorizing fear, they do make choices like survive what feels like survival choices very quickly, right? And and they hold on to those choices because literally when we put people in like a fight or flight response, which is fear, absolute terror, right? Fight or flight is really like you're going to be eaten by a tiger. So you better, you know what I mean? You better make a quick choice to save your life. Our brain gets put into that kind of fight or flight mode. And you got to make a quick choice from a place of fear, low vibe decision-making to save your life. Like, think about how much of that has gone on. How many quick, you know, knee-jerk kind of choices that people have made because they're in a state of total fear. Like, for a lot of people during the pandemic, they couldn't work or earn money. How scary is that? 
right? How scary is that to have to make these choices because you literally don't have income coming in or to be afraid for your health and your well-being? I mean, the ultimate fear, right, is that I don't have my health. I don't have my life. My life isn't going to continue on and making choices from that or losing people, loved ones, right? A lot of people lost people very close in their life for one reason or another over the past few years. There's been a lot of souls exiting the planet. So a lot of fear-based choices, you know, coming from those experiences. And I get it, right? I am, I have zero judgment on that. We have all made fear-based choices in our life and been put in positions that we need to, right? We feel we really need to make these choices for survival. Like that's part of human history. And now we're at a time where we're actually able to like see this a little bit more, right? So coming out of the past several years, like we have this opportunity to look at this a little and to to understand it in maybe a little bit of a different way. So we have a lot of people putting out messaging and, you know, this can be again in the political arena, but it can be anywhere, right? In our lives, putting out messaging. Maybe you have, you know, friends or parents or a partner or people at work who you could look at honestly and say, yeah, there's a lot of fear based messaging that is coming at me. And people want me to make these fear based choices. I mean, it happens all over our lives. And so it's not just happening collectively, it's happening individually for each of us. And the reason that it's happening is because we're at a time where we can actually wake up right to this and have enough distance from it, like step back a little bit so that we can see a higher perspective. So the MO has kind of been traditionally give the people something to fear and then tell them that you will save them from their fears, but the other candidate or party or person will make their fears come true. And if you started digging around and looking at like old articles and you started looking at, you know, the past, let's say 20 years of politics, like you're going to, if you look at it through this lens, see a lot of this, right? And again, you might look at your own relationships in your life and see that some of this has been present over the history of your own individual life. And so part of like what I started to be guided to as we lead into this time where we start seeing more headlines here in the U.S. about politics and about, you know, the next presidential election is it there's a lot of talk in the spiritual community about things like uh, narcissism and narcissistic personality disorder. We have terms that I think years ago, none of us had heard of terms like gaslighting um, that are becoming so much more prevalent. And I wanted to just give some definitions to this because a lot of like the communication out in the world, and I say like media communication from large media companies, communication from, let's say different, you know, political parties, communication that trickles down to us, right? Think about the communication that trickles down through other businesses, other sources, you know, coming from people that are in real positions of power. Um, and think about it through the lens of some of these things we're starting to put words to. So I went to helpguide.org, just a website. Um, and because I really wanted to say, okay, what's the definition of narcissistic personality disorder? And again, this is just off this website. Um, 
and there might be other definitions, but it says narcissistic personality disorder involves a pattern of self-centered, arrogant thinking and behavior, a lack of empathy and consideration for other people, and an excess need for admiration. Others often describe people with NPD as cocky, manipulative, selfish, patronizing, and demanding. This way of thinking and behaving surfaces in every area of the narcissist's life from work and friendships to family and love relationships. So so some of what I've been being guided to is like, let's look at some of these definitions, right? Because we think about narcissistic personality disorder as, you know, on an individual basis with certain individuals. But I want to I want to reference it as something that can be more an overarching communication style. Right. And I'm not saying that exactly fits the definition of narcissistic personality disorder. I'm just saying, what's this overarching communication style that is very directed at, you know, being kind of arrogant, not considering other people's thoughts and opinions. There's only one way to think about things lacking a sense of empathy and consideration for other people's viewpoints, um, excessive need for people to say, I'm, I'm the boss or I'm the figurehead or I know best. Therefore, everybody else's, you know, opinion or their intuition or their gut feeling about something is wrong or bad. Right. Remember how I said we're trying to get out of this thinking of like right or wrong. But there's a lot of messaging out there in the world that we pick up that is basically saying this is the right way to think about this. And if you don't think about it this way, then you're wrong or bad or you should even be canceled for not thinking the way that we're telling you to think about this. And this is a really, really dangerous time, right, for communication if we are forcing people into certain viewpoints. And we are telling people that they should be afraid, right? And they should feel bad about themselves and they should, you know, stop talking about things that don't fit a certain scope, right? Or a certain narrative that somebody wants to put out there in the world. I really don't, I'm going to say I don't care, but I really don't focus on like what is again, the good narrative versus the bad narrative. And notice how your mind wants to go to that, right? Like, what is the thing I should believe? And wouldn't it be easy, right? It is easy for a lot of people to just believe whatever someone tells them to believe. But that's not honoring who you are as a soul. And that's not honoring your own inner truth. And that's also not taking the time to see where your intuition guides you. I am always being guided to different information and linking up, you know, my, my guides will take me on a total scavenger hunt. I call it to various sources of information to look at different things and say, like, do you feel like this is, you know, true? And how does this piece of information relate to this piece of information, like weaving different pieces of information together, right? Like what I'm talking about today, all this came from weaving different information together and then sitting with that, not judging it, and then sharing it, right, from a very heart-centered place. And I also looked up the word gaslighting on the National Domestic Violence Hotline, and they talked about some different kind of key areas of gaslighting. So the first one they talked about was withholding. It's where, and I'm not even going to say an abusive partner, although obviously on the domestic uh, violence hotline, they're talking about just individual to individual, but I just want to look at this as, like as a more um, global kind of thing that we're seeing. So I'm just going to say an abusive 
thought process, right, or person or a group of people um, tends to not understand or refuses to listen. And I want to give these to you as a way to kind of help you filter low vibe communication. So it's super low vibe communication to refuse to hear things that are outside what you believe or refuse to listen to somebody's you know, uh, concerns or somebody's opinions or beliefs about something instead just saying, no, that's wrong. Right. Again, this polarization, I'm right with my belief. No, that's wrong. So pretending to not understand, refusing to listen is, you know, an aspect of gaslighting. The other thing is countering. So an abusive communication style would question other people's memory of events or try to, you know, flip them from what they believe they thought they saw or experienced. Um, and even if somebody is saying, no, like this is what I experienced when I, you know, when I had this event happen in my life and this is how I feel about it. And, you know, someone else would be saying, no, that's not, it's not how it happened. You always see these things incorrectly. You're always wrong. So again, like, there have been many people like, you know, just so passionate about sharing their opinion about, you know, how we went through the pandemic or their opinion about how, you know, health is dealt with in our, you know, in our country or their opinions about anything, right? Like lots of different stuff, but we saw a lot of people fighting to be heard and have their opinions heard. And we also heard a lot of people being shut down, right? There wasn't a a um, kind of an openness to like, let's look at like kind of the opinions about this. Let's look at more information. Let's take our time before we say this is how it happened and this is what it was to like listening to the people, right? Which is ultimately what our government is about is like listening to the people, right? We have freedom. We have democracy in this country, and that freedom is the freedom to think, right? The freedom to have opinions, the freedom to research, the freedom to have your own personal experience. Because a lot of people have had their own personal experiences. Like the first thing that's coming to mind is with their own health of their body. And they've had, you know, maybe a medical system that hasn't listened to them, right? Like, hey, I know my body. I know what I'm experiencing. Like probably everybody at one point in their life is like, you know, gone to a doctor or gone to, you know, some sort of professional and tried to explain like, I'm having these hormone problems or I'm having this problem with my leg or this hurts on my body. And, and to feel like you're not being heard or you're not being understood, right? And this is not at all to discredit our medical establishment or the amazing people who literally spend, you know, days and nights helping people in the medical world. It's just to say that like many times in life, we are not being heard. And yet those are foundational to what we believe, you know, um, in, in the U.S. And the other thing is like blocking or diverting information. So an abuser could change the subject or question, you know, a victim's thoughts or just block any information. And on a collective level, we've had a lot of blocking information that's gone on over the past several years, blocking facts, blocking research, blocking studies, right? Blocking people, shutting people down on social media, like just a lot of blocking or diverting energy that has gone on, 
right? People are not allowed to hold another opinion. People not are not allowed to share their opinion. That's, you know, a tactic of gaslighting. The other area of gaslighting is trivializing, which is where an abusive partner or a group of people makes the victim's needs feel unimportant, right? I think we've all probably had an experience at one time in our life or another where we don't feel important or we feel like people are minimizing something or putting us down, right, for what we believe or feel. And trivializing it, trivializing um, is also just telling people like what you believe isn't true. Like this isn't real. I mean, someone could have a personal experience and say, no, I know. Like, (laughs) I know, trust me, I've just been through this and having other people be like, oh, but it's not what you think it is. And what this does is it starts to erode, right? Our own intuition, our own gut instincts, right? There's like a dumbing down that happens to people when they're constantly being abused, which is really what this is in this way. The last part of gaslighting gaslighting is forgetting and denial, which is the abusive partner or group pretends to have forgotten what actually occurred and denies things um, like you don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. You're just making things up. And again, there's a lot of people that have been made to be crazy. And if you look over the history of at least our country, I won't speak outside the U.S., there's been many people that spoke up for lots of things that were not just or that were not, you know, on the on the up and up. And we're literally taken down, ruined, you know, put in jail, like you name it, down to like literally being killed for what they were sharing and what they knew because it didn't, you know, there were large, like, let's say political groups or groups in a lot of power that didn't want that truth to be shared. So there was a lot of, you know, shutting down, right? Uh, Things that are inconvenient truths and people just courageously like giving their life, right? Literally to try and make things right. And so this information, like along with what I'm seeing as a communication style, right? Out there in the world, like on a big scale is like, I'm bringing these things together because I think we have to realize that a lot of the communication, and especially in the political arena, is toxic. And it doesn't, it's not just like, oh, it's bad communication. It's literally following the same definition as things that are labeled abusive in a one-on-one relationship. And as you know, if you're in an abusive one-on-one relationship, there's some like healing that needs to happen, right? And so- since you guys are all so smart and so heart-centered and so intuitive, like we have to start really thinking at a higher level about, about this, right? About this gaslighting. Because if you learn anything or if you know anything about gaslighting, like when someone's in a relationship like this, they start to second guess themselves. They start to feel confused. They start to feel like they're crazy. Like they start apologizing to their abuser, um, trying to make things right, trying to keep things like happier when they're not making excuses for the partner's behavior and withholding information from people that love you, like friends and family, because you don't want people to see what's actually going on. And even though, you know, deep down inside, like something isn't right, you're too afraid, right? To stand up to this. This happens a lot with victims of abuse. And then you start, you know, lying or not fully telling the truth just because you don't want to deal, right? With the inconvenient truth, which is this is an unhealthy dynamic and relationship. 
there's a lot of things that go on and people's cognitive dissonance about how bad it is keeps them just kind of not wanting to really face it because it's painful and it's awful and it hurts our hearts and it slowly erodes the like joy and the connection and and the things that we love in life. And it happens so slowly in abusive dynamics that we don't even realize it, right? Like, like we have seen over the past four or five years, a real like clampdown on our ability to say what we want in the world and not feel afraid of that, right? I bet you that if you look around your life, there are certain things that you used to talk about freely or say freely that now you think twice before you say them. You think twice, like, is someone going to judge this or before you post it on social media or before you, you know what I mean? Express it to people that maybe aren't your best friends. You think twice because our information and our thoughts and our beliefs um, have become like something that we can be so heavily like condemned for. And that's a scary place to live because ultimately like what the spiritual evolution is, is becoming more and more open and more and more surrendered to be able to hear information or hear inconvenient truths and to be able to like be with that and to digest that when you're going through a spiritual awakening, there's a ton of inconvenient truths that happen. There's a ton of new things going on in your life. And like, you have to be able to digest that, right? It's like you, it takes time and it takes, you know, a lot of surrender, but there's a lot of like fight that's in that, in that awakening. Cause we fight against moving away from the things that don't feel good anymore. Right. Cause it's inconvenient to move out of our life in certain ways, or it's inconvenient to make new choices, or it's inconvenient to do the things we know we need to do that our soul and our heart is calling us to. But like you learn through the awakening to be more courageous and you learn to use your voice more on an individual level in your individual life. And all of us are needed at this time to be able to say what we feel, right? What we are perceiving. And I just encourage you with the utmost like love and respect, always coming from a place of love and respect to be able to share your truth because it's so valuable at this time. And one of the things that not even I have like ever really felt into that's starting to happen right now that's so it makes me so hopeful, right, of of the future, because there's many times in this world that I just feel like, oh, the density is so intense, right? The density of the energy, what's going on, the chaos as a predecessor of change, because chaos feels dense and intense. And there are many times like I feel that heaviness. And I say to myself, like, how in some ways does it feel like we're getting further away from standing in our truth or further away from, from really believing that we can, you know, do our own research and look into information and, and form our own opinions, right? We're not just here, you know, especially our kids to regurgitate information on a test. We're here to be critical thinkers, right? And we don't learn to that critically think without people asking us questions and us going and looking into information and using our gut instinct to do that, 
I mean, this is something we must pass on to these generations that are coming up at this time, this ability to just not just learn information to like then be tested on it, but to like pick apart information, see how you feel about it, research it, look into these things, right? Like this is like, this is like an art and a science together that is so important for the future of this evolution. And I know there are so many amazing people out there like talking about this, but, but if you have, you know, friends and people that like need an awakening perspective, like share this episode with them, right? Like just consider this episode is not about believe this or believe that. Like I'm never going to tell people what to believe. I offer information that's coming from my own life, right? My own awareness, the things that I've walked through and also the things I'm guided to in a loving way. And what I see happening right now that again, I could have never kind of predicted is a different level of communication happening politically inspired by one political candidate at this time. I'm not saying other political candidates won't have this level of conversation. I'm hopeful that the contribution, right? Every time we put our energy into something, we contribute our energy and our energy is a vibration. And when we contribute our individual energy as a vibration to something, it can change the whole. And what I'm seeing is to me giving me hope that the whole can change because I'm not really interested in only one political candidate like coming from a higher vibrational place, because I think we need all political candidates to come from a higher vibrational place. I think we need a whole overhaul um, on the people that are running, not just this country, but our countries about how they view the collective, right? The collective is actually much more powerful, whereas a lot more people in our collective than just the few people that actually make the big choices for the country. And yet many times, like we're, we're not listened to, right? It's, it's our tax dollars that go into, you know, the facilitation, right? That these other people in power get to make choices on like the facilitation of projects and the money that goes out into the country. And yet many times, like we're not being considered, right? And we're certainly not being listened to. And, and I think in some ways, and in all fairness to the people who make the big decisions, like it's hard sometimes to think about that many individuals, right? It's hard. It's like, it's easier to think of like, I have to get this done and this is what's best for people than to actually listen to people. Cause that takes a heck of a lot of time. Right. And so what I'm seeing is that with the rise of Robert Kennedy Jr. putting his hat in the ring um, for presidential candidacy, I'm seeing a different level of conversation coming from his political campaign. And I feel like this is so cool and interesting from a communication standpoint. I'm ultimately a communication major and I did a lot of studies in communication. And so I'm looking at this through this lens. And one of the things I noticed right off the bat that I think was super interesting is, is his camp kind of decided to not talk about what other people aren't doing, like that typical structure I talked about at the beginning of the episode, like these people are bad, they're not doing this, they're not doing that. But instead to talk about what they envision, right? Like what he's going to do instead of like 
other people, the other party is bad, the other people. And in fact, you know, he's running as a Democratic candidate and he is, you know, speaking on a lot of the topics that, you know, have been pigeonholed to Republican candidates um, things like free speech and, you know, a lot of these different uh, looking at, you know, government overreach and looking at, um, you know, social media censorship. It's funny how, um, again, the communication that we've gotten on these topics is that those are, you know, Republican people that that are talking about that or caring about that. And we shouldn't worry about those things. And they become pigeonholed into Republicans. But why? I mean, that, that's something we all should be looking at. I don't know why that's that becomes Republican, right? This idea of, of adhering to our constitution in certain ways, um, you know, allowing people to voice their opinions. I don't see that as a side. I see that as probably just a healthy conversation we should be in about how we, you know, allow people in this digital age um, to, to speak their minds and their hearts and to have their own opinions on things and to learn how to critically think. Um, but it's fascinating because, you know, he believes in some of these things that have been pigeonholed into one you know, party or the other. Um, and so he's kind of having a conversation that's party less in a certain way, which I think is a is a phenomenon that's like interesting. Right. It's really interesting because he's not just adhering to what has been communicated as this is a you know, this is a Democratic like care or concern, or this is a Republican care or concern, because those things get so polarized, right? It's like, these things are, you know, are Republican. And if you believe them, then you have to be Republican. Like it's, it's ridiculous, right? Because different people believe different things. Like, it's not that simple to just say, this is all on this side and this is all on that side. That's the polarization I'm talking about. And that's the problem because it leaves out the ability to feel into each thing and to like understand how you stand on each thing. There's, if you go through um, RFK's like Instagram, you know, he's talking about peace. He's talking about the industrial military complex. He's talking about the money that we spend on wars um, and and that, you know, there's a lot of other things going on in the U.S. that need funding and we're spending so much on a war economy. He's talking about chemicals in our food supply. Um, even though there's very big companies that don't want us to talk about that, he's talking about that. He's talking about safety testing for vaccines. Um, everywhere you look in the regular media, they talk about him being anti-vax. Um, something that he's never talked about, right? They're, they are constantly calling him the anti-vax candidate, right? Like, and that's not what he's ever said. He's talking about, you know, creating placebo blind um, safety testing for all vaccines, just like we do with other medicines. He talks about transcending self-interest. He talks about defending Bitcoin as a viable, you know, uh, economy. He talks about ending polarization. Again, super spiritual conversation to be having, super important. Standing for free speech. He talks about telling the truth, telling people the truth, right? Which is just a really good principle. So all of these things, like, I don't, you know, everybody can feel however they want about these, but it's just interesting to look at like what he's not saying. Because what he's not saying is... I'm better than this person because of this. He's not even bringing up a lot of times other candidates other than when 
he is saying, I believe some things they believe, I believe differently on other things, right? Or, oh, yes, this person said something nice about me. That was very nice. I appreciate that. Like, you know, he's only bringing it up when he's asked, and he's only bringing it up in a very neutral, if not kind way. Like, what if we were in an arena? Like, it makes me, it's not just about him. Like I'm saying, it makes me feel hopeful that what if we're in an arena where we all have our own individual choice and there's all candidates just doing that, right? That there's no public attacks, right? On people's like life or their persona or, you know, who they are, but instead just sticking to like, here's what I'm about. And this is what I, the change that I want to bring about in government, like, what if we were, what if we talked like that? Like, instead of slinging things back and forth, we were just having this kind of higher level communication about what we wanted to bring to the table. It was also really interesting and, and refreshing, like, as I was being guided to these different pieces of, um, of information, I thought it was refreshing that, you know, in our world and in our um, political system, there are such big corporations and companies that literally like you're almost not allowed to speak out against them because they just hold so much power. And when we talk about the, um, you know, big food, big pharma, um, like these companies are so big and they, they interconnect in different ways that we're almost not allowed to say anything about them. And I think, we can't have like groups that are so big and powerful in this world that that we can't have an opinion on them and we can't regulate them, right? Like it's really, really important that that we're not having things forced on us, right? And so I think it's just interesting that we have a candidate who's talking about the food supply and who's talking about, um, you know, chronic disease in children and chronic diseases in general. Um, and he said this quote at one time, and I, he said, if I don't significantly drop the level of chronic disease in our children after my first term, I don't want you to reelect me. And what stood out for me about that is like, you know, I don't know that I've ever heard another uh, political candidate say, hey, if I can't do this, then don't put me back in office, right? Like, it's just it's just an interesting, and that was in the, um, that was in a quote in the Independent on April 19th, 2023. I just think it's an interesting take. And I think we're at a time where we need to remain open and we need to move away from this old kind of fear-based messaging and communication and to have someone stepping into the ring who is willing to number one, put up with, you know, all of the things that are going to be said about this man. I mean, he has been just literally bashed right in the media over and over and over again, but to be able to stand up to that. Right. And, and to be able to, you know, his camp is really good at when there's a, he's misquoted out there to put what the quote actually was the video where he actually said the quote and um, time and time again, his credibility has shown to be pretty right on, um, despite what's being said about him, you know, in the media and the way that they take things and twist things. And I think we've all recognized that across the board, how they just, how media can sometimes take messages and just completely twist them to a negative. And people, again, you know, we just open up like, 
yahoo.com or we open up the New York Times or we open up these different, you know, things and we read headlines and headlines are there to get people to click, right? And they're there to get people's attention. But now, like, as I read through different articles and I read articles from all different publications, I think it's fascinating. I think we all need to be doing it, right? I don't just read articles that tell me what I want to hear. I read them across the board. I'm fascinated by, you know, by different uh, media companies. Like there are some articles I read and I'm like, this is a legitimately like like article that looks at all sides of this topic. And it's always refreshing. I'm like, oh yeah, it's like true journalism, looking at all sides. It's not, you can tell it's not skewing to one or the other. It's so refreshing. And then there's other journalism where it's just basically a bashing of, of one, you know, of one side of a topic or a bashing of a person or a viewpoint. And it's just relentless, right? It's like, there's nothing positive about this viewpoint. There's nothing positive about this person. It's just like, you know, they're awful. This idea is awful and many different like kind of skewed examples of how awful that person is. And it happens to on all sides, right? It doesn't matter if somebody's political affiliation or, or whatever, this is just going on, on the planet. And it's not the way that journalism used to be. And it's not a balanced approach, right? So as we go through this extremely like chaotic time of, of awakening. We're also trying to find balance again, right? We're trying to find out how to balance in this new energy system that we are moving into. And there's no perfect, you know, um, like this is how you do it. It's so easy. It's just a process of feeling it out as we move into this new energy. And as we all connect more and more and start to see through some of the, the, kind of messaging that doesn't honor who we are, that doesn't honor how smart we are, how much we can critically critically think for ourselves, that doesn't honor our own gut instinct, that doesn't allow us to speak what is true for us. As we start to weed through that, we start to become stronger and stronger. And one of the things that was so fascinating, like as I'm again, being guided to all these different pieces of information, I'm looking at, um, at some comments. And like, one of the things, you know, I'm big into is like cleaning up our food source. I just think so many, you know, we can't feel good in our lives if our bodies don't feel good. And so much of the chemicals that are in the world and our water system and our food system, all of these things, you know, are contributing to weaker bodies, right. And, and, and dis-ease in many different ways. So I'm always fascinated in that level of conversation that people are having. And, and there was a post um, on RF, RFK's uh, Instagram. So I started reading it and it was it was about uh, cleaning up the food stores. And, and I think it was specifically about Roundup, um, Roundup Ready um, glyphosate. And there was the most beautiful conversation going on in the comment section. And it started with uh, a gentleman who just is, he's a corn and soybean farmer. And he talked about that he uses Roundup and he said, you know, I see us farmers getting constantly painted as the villains, but for years we've been led to believe that the products were safe. 
He goes, honestly, just think about it. If there's as, as dangerous as they are portrayed, um, then why are we actually able to splash it on us or inhale the fumes when mixing it? I can say with confidence, if a broad solution was offered to farmers that would eliminate the use of herbicides, we'd do it. Chemicals aren't cheap either. The problem is finding the solution. And then he said, regenerative farming is awesome. And I hope to move to a, more in that direction, but it's very laborious and expensive to operate. Yields would be reduced over time and adjustments would have to be made or people would starve. I say all this to say um, that Roundup and the farmers aren't all bad. So what's your plausible solution? And there was this beautiful, beautiful thread where people were, you know, both people that are in the farming industry or agriculture industry, people that aren't just kind of chiming in in this incredibly respectful way. Like, hey, I'm not super educated on this, but just wanted to say that I think it's a good idea that we, you know, also look at food waste. And um, and then the farmer who initially, you know, said the comment was commenting back, like he's gen he's genuinely wants to say, like, here's what I think are the constraints to doing, you know, farming without chemicals. Tell me, give me ideas, like, tell me how we can do this. And then you get these amazing people like who are regenerative farmers chiming in and saying, well, here's some of the things that we've done to get more yield on the crops. This is what happens, right? When you are communicating in a higher vibrational way, right? So here's RFK communicating in a higher vibrational way, on his Instagram feed and he's opening up, right? He's attracting higher vibrational people that are listening to his message because they're connecting with that communication. And then he's opening up, unbeknownst to him, greater conversations that are happening in the comment section where people are genuinely treating each other with respect. Now, a lot of the people in the comment section are not for using chemicals in farming, but I cannot tell you how respectful this conversation is. Here's this farmer saying, yeah, I would be open to this, right? You got this guy that's got openness. He's not just saying, hey, all you, everything you guys are saying is false. We're using chemicals, live with it, right? He's saying, I would like to switch to something more natural. I get it. You know, I would like to stop paying for all these chemicals. He also talks about how the government is having a more of a bigger overreach on farming in general, and that he doesn't like that. And he's, he's generally asking people their opinions. And through this whole comment section, it's so great. Like people are sharing just valuable information. I learned about farming from reading this, you know, this comment section. And I also learned out of respectful communication where people can openly share their thoughts and feelings without being attacked. We all learn. And we're learning like with any change that happens, right? Like any change that we do on the planet, like there's pluses and minuses, right? There's things we have to overcome. Like for instance, electric vehicles, right? And using more electricity, like it, it's, you know, going to wear on our electrical grid a little bit more. So we have to boost our electrical grid. Like it might be positive because it gets us away from gasoline and it gets us away from, from some other things, but any evolution or change, there's no a hundred percent. Like, it's just amazing. There's like, okay, if we change in this direction, it's going to help us a lot. But like, there's also things we're going to have to, you know, look at to make this change feasible. And this is the conversation that's happening in the comment section. And the thing that kind of gives me the goosebumps is like, you know, when we're having higher level, high frequency conversations, we 
attract people that want to have high level, high frequency conversations. And there's a certain amount of respect, right? And truth that happens in those conversations. And that respect and truth is what grows and expands. And like people in this comment section alone are having aha moments like this farmer who, you know, started this conversation probably is looking at things a little bit differently or saying, oh, I could check into this, you know, that this other farmer shared about only through telling the truth, right. And having real conversations where there's an openness for us to share like our hearts and souls in a respectful manner, do the ideas come right. That are going to actually change this world. That's how it happens. You know, it's one person at a time coming to the table. And when we have an environment where we can share from a respectful place, instead of hating our neighbor, right? Or resisting or saying only these topics are democratic and only these topics are Republican. And then people attacking each other or canceling each other. All of that is low vibrational energy, period. Judging people is low vibrational energy. Right now, we have to decide, right, how we move forward as individuals and collectively. But first, we have to be clear as individuals how we want to move forward, right? What are the things that are valuable to you to communicate and live your life in a higher vibrational way? That is the most important thing. And when we listen to these different conversations and as we get into this like political arena, like we have to say to ourselves, like, what am I willing to be open to? What am I willing to share? You know, how am I willing to share my truth? What am I willing to share? Like, this is the type of conversations that move us forward. And that's what gets me so extremely excited. You know, it's funny. I found um, an article where um, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. was interviewed by Oprah back in 2007. And I found the transcript of it. I think it was in O Magazine back in February of 2007. And they were talking about, you know, a lot of his research was in mercury, you know, in the oceans and found in fish and and that led him to having a lot of um, mothers come to him and talk about their concerns with mercury and the vaccines. And, you know, he really didn't want to get into that, but there just kept being more and more mothers saying like, you know, somebody needs to help us here and somebody needs to listen to us. And so he got involved in, you know, in looking into that. And I think what he found um, in the research was really impacted his life. And, you know, there's probably not an acceptable amount of mercury we want to be ingesting in our bodies. Um, and yet, you know, our, a lot of our sea life is, has really high mercury levels and in lots of different, you know, things that we inject as a culture into young children have high mercury levels. And, you know, I don't think we can, you know, say that it's only one place, right. That the, that the toxicity is coming from, because I think it's a lot of different places like, um, that, that the toxicity enters our body as, as little ones and, you know, grows the longer we're here on the planet. But there was a conversation, um, you can look it up on Google that Oprah and he had, um, and he was talking about, um, you know, some of his work and how he really loves nature and wanted to bring, you know, nature, um, 
you know, want to preserve nature and preserve like that there would be not, you know, so much toxicity for his kids and grandkids. And, you know, he talked about, um, a lot of what he found, like in certain studies that he did, um, he talked about his own kids having asthma and like, he looked into a lot of the reasons that, um, and studies that have been done on asthma. Um, and he's having this like really free flowing conversation, right. That, um, with, probably the best interviewer in the whole world. And he's talking about environmentalism and he's talking about topics. And as I'm reading through this, like I'm just struck by that. I don't think that this interview would be done today that I don't think that some of the stuff that he's talking about, I think it's become so, um, such a, such a, like, divisive topic that to even be interviewed about this, there's just going to be so much, um, controversy in an interview like this. And I just thought it was interesting to look back and say in 2007, like this interview was had and it was put out and I've never, I looked around to see if there was anything that bashed this interview or anybody that was, you know what I mean? Just really coming down on a lot of things that were shared in this interview. Um, and there wasn't back at that time. So what's changed? Why can't we talk about this stuff? I mean, shouldn't we be talking about this stuff? Shouldn't we be talking about, you know, regeneration of our planet and our physical health and, you know, what's, what the ingredients are and the things that we put into our body and how that might be affecting us. Like what would be the reason that it's all of a sudden not okay. Right. Um, to not share the things that this person who's a researcher his whole life, he's an attorney and he's researched this stuff upside down and backwards. And I'm not saying he's a perfect man. I'm not saying, you know, believe everything he says. Like I never say that I am like, look into everything research yourself, understand the topics that are important today, feel into how you feel about speaking truth, right? I know how I feel like I want people to tell me the truth. I like search my whole life for the truth, right? I'm trying to uncover truths time and time again. That's how I feel about it. But I have an appetite for that. There's been a lot of inconvenient truths in my life that I faced and it was not easy. And I don't think it's easy for anybody. But at this point in my own evolution, I'm like, I want to know the truth. I want people to tell me the truth. I will deal with it however I need to deal with it. I'll feel my emotions about it. I will make peace with it. If I don't feel like it's the truth, I will say, hmm, that doesn't res resonate as truth inside of me. But I would rather just hear it straight up. And I know at this point in my life, I don't want to be told how to feel about something because <laughs> I'm clear on how I feel about things. And I don't want to be censored and I don't want to be shut down. And I don't expect that people will always agree with me. I don't want them to. I want people to come with what they've got. And I want people to be clear on how they feel, right? Or discover, be in the process of discovering how they feel about things. And I want to have great conversations about that. Life is so fun. I mean, nobody, they always say like, you wouldn't want to marry yourself, right? You want to marry a partner who's a different individual, or if you want to get married or live with somebody or be in relationship, um, who's a little bit different than you, right? In a lot of different ways, because that that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of that connection is learning about that person and them learning about you and finding out things that like you go, oh, well, I'm not like that. And that's, that's okay, right? We have to be 
in pursuit, right, of our own inner truths, of understanding who we are, of understanding this time. And I also just wanted to be clear on where I stand with things and how I'm intuiting this time and how I look into these things. Take it or leave it, right? It doesn't matter. You don't have to believe the same thing I believe at all, right? If nothing here that I'm saying resonates, be true to that, right? Own that, live that. Like that's my that's my eternal message to all of us here in this community is like listen to your gut, you know, and and that will evolve. Like our gut instincts for different things evolve over time. Allow there to be space for that evolution to happen. And, you know, allow ourselves to have powerful conversations that can shift how we think and feel about stuff. And I'm excited from a communication standpoint at the prospects of this energy that's coming to the table in our political arena. And I hope that the energy expands and I hope that we could have a amazing kind of debate going on from people speaking at this higher level. No more attacking and, you know, and dirty kind of tactics and low vibey things and, you know, censoring people or trying to control people or the way they think. Like, let's come to the table with some intelligent, high level thinking, different opinions. Yes, that's what makes us a democracy. Like we want different opinions. We want people to come from different standpoints. But like, let's come with with love in our hearts right? And the ability to connect and the ability to debate how we feel and to, you know, put on the table with everything we've got, our vantage point, different vantage points make things happen, right? It's not just one personality or one vantage point that, that creates new things. It's people coming together with different skill sets and different vantage points and all of those things. And I think that that's, and that makes me excited to be here, right? So for the moments that I feel all the heaviness um, and all the kind of like stuff that we're wading through as we go through this awakening, this stuff excites me and higher level communication and reasoning and thought excites me. And so I hope you guys get excited too. And I hope this conversation, um, if you feel like it's valuable in any way, helps, you know, just raise the vibration of thought. And like, when we look at things, how we discern those things and, and feel into them. So I'm sending you guys so much love. I'll see you back here next week. Hey, lovely. This is Shauna Lee. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Soul Frequency Show. If you got even one piece of valuable information, head over to Apple Podcasts and share a review with your takeaways. And follow us because we got lots more goodness to come. We are spreading the love far and wide. And you know where to find me over at IG at the Soul Frequency. Until the next time, love, here's to positive vibes and powerful awakenings. Thank you.